Well, thank you for that. Friends, you are not alone. The Lord is with us. And I want to say happy Pentecost. I wasn't here last week, but happy Pentecost. I don't hear a lot of people saying happy Pentecost, I have to say. You know, in the last six months, we have celebrated the three great holidays of our Christian faith. One is Advent and then Christmas. And I think everybody on the planet celebrates Christmas. Everybody wants to get into the gift giving and the joy and they understand most people that it's the gift of God's son given to us. At least some measure of understanding most people have. And then very quickly, the start of the year, uh, the Sundays of Christmas commence, and then we're into Lent, and then we arrive at Easter, and people begin to celebrate the acts of Jesus, who went to Mount Calvary and died for our sins. And maybe not everybody, but a lot of people understand what Jesus has done, entering into this world and conquering sin and the grave and giving us the hope of life eternal. And then we come to Pentecost, and it seems to me Pentecost is often forgotten and rarely is it understood. And that's why we're in a sermon series right now calling it Divine Encounter. Because friends, just like we've been through in this pandemic, we need the Spirit of God to help us. We need God's help throughout life, and we need the help of the Holy Spirit that we can encounter God. You know how you view God affects every single area of your life. Your concept of God matters. It shapes how you feel about God, how you think about God, how you even talk to God. And the best way to get to know God is for us to get to know the ones that he sent. God sent us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And secondly, as we find here in this text in John 16, we were sent the comforter. We were sent the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Encountering God is what turns the lights on. Do you know that? There are so many meta-narratives out in our world today. All kinds of stories. What's your story? is something that we all need to begin asking one another. And when you sit and listen to people, some of the storylines that are out there are so intriguing. But the more you listen, the more you walk with people, you realize that it's entirely inconsistent. And there are storylines out there that just are unlivable. We serve a great God today. And the story that we have to share is the incredible story of Jesus coming to this world that we might have life, have life that's abundant. And you know, the Holy Spirit comes into our midst and into our present, wanting to live into our heart and turns the lights on in our soul. There is more joy to be had, more peace to know through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives than anything else in this world. So today I want us to think for just a few moments about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the unknown member of the Trinity. And to be sure, we know a lot about God the Father and God the Son, but in comparison, we seem to know relatively little about the Holy Spirit. If Paul were to come and speak to some of our churches just like he did back in the day when he went to Ephesus, 
And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you uh, believed in the Lord? And they said, no, I dare say that many of our people would say the same thing today. And why is that? It's because I think in some part people are sort of afraid of the Holy Spirit. I was talking to a pastor of all people, and we were talking about uh, the church, and he was explaining to me that he likes to preach on the full counsel of God. And he said, I'd love to preach on God the Father and God the Son. And I said, how about the Holy Spirit? And he said, well, I don't preach very often about the Holy Spirit. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, I'm just afraid it might lead to some type of fanaticism. It's just kind of like, uh, let's just suppose a church were to ask me to come over and preach a sermon on Sunday morning, some special service. Pastor said, we'd love for you to come over and preach, but please don't bring your wife. <laughs> well, naturally, I would inquire, well, why don't you want me to bring my wife? And they might say, well, we've heard that your wife has fits once in a while in the service. <laughs> and we can't have that happen now, can we? Well, certainly I would reply, well, I don't know whose wife you're talking about, but I can assure you my wife doesn't have fits in the service. Well, in the same way, when somebody attributes to the Holy Spirit that which is unseemly, you're just like, now hold on a minute. That's not the Holy Spirit. And there are so many people out there today that have totally misunderstood the Spirit of God. And so I want to just spend a few moments here as we're talking about divine encounter and we're focusing everybody on making Jesus known and knowing Jesus. It's important that we get to know Jesus. It's important we get to know the Holy Spirit, the ones that God sent to us. So just quickly, let me remind you, who is the Holy Spirit? The first thing you need to know is the Holy Spirit is not a thing or an object, but a person. Some missionaries were talking, and uh, they were sharing how they were down in Latin America, and one of the churches down there was going door to door, begging people to give because they wanted the Holy Spirit in their church. And they said, well, who is the Holy Spirit to you? And they said, well, you know, a lot of churches down here, Costa Rica and so forth and different places, there's a dove over the altar. And we don't have a dove in our church. And so we're trying to get the Holy Spirit in our church, so we're raising money so we can fashion a dove. And when we get this dove and put it above the altar, then we'll have the Holy Spirit in our church. There are a lot of people that are sincere about the Holy Spirit, but they're grossly misled about the understanding of what the Bible bears out as the Spirit of God. And I tell you today, the Bible makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is not a thing or an object, but I tell you something else, it's not a force field either. It's not some type of Star Wars galactical experience. It's not some energy field. But he is the spirit of life to be sure and quickens us from death unto life. But a tree has a kind of life, does he not? But have you ever seen a stubborn tree? Have you ever seen a tree with a college degree? Have you ever seen a tree with its feelings hurt? No, the Holy Spirit is not merely the divine life within us is more than that. And the Holy Spirit is also not just the power of God. He's not some impersonal force or some spiritual power bank that we can plug into. 
I mean, gasoline is a source of power that drives our automobiles, but it says nothing to us about the speed that the auto travels or the direction that we go. And the Holy Spirit is a source of spiritual power, but he's more than just power or some sort of influence emanating from God. Now, to be sure today, if we try to understand the Trinity, if we try to wrap our minds around the understanding of the Holy Spirit, we'll lose our mind. But if we try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, we'll lose our soul. And we need the person of the Holy Spirit. What's the ministry of the Holy Spirit? The ministry of the Holy Spirit is really threefold at least. And one aspect of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is like a divine nurse. The Holy Spirit's like a divine nurse. He makes available to us what Jesus made possible through his death and resurrection. Think of it like this. God is the, the divine physician who goes into the room and examines the patient and says, this is your problem, and then makes the prescription pad, takes it out, and says, here's what needs to happen for you to have health again and vitality. Sends that off to the lab technician, Jesus Christ, who goes to Mount Calvary, prepares the remedy, lays down his life, his blood is shed, and it's the divine nurse that comes to administer the treatment. Now, where would we be today without the nurse? Have you ever been to the hospital? If you've been to the hospital in recent times, oftentimes people say, well, there's a nurse shortage. I hit this button over and over and they don't come. I got to go to the restroom and I just had surgery and I can't get out of bed or I need my food or I've got a pain and there's a nurse shortage. And I want to say to you that I think there's a little bit of a Holy Spirit shortage today in our church. People are afraid and worried about the Spirit of God, but don't need to be. The Holy Spirit's like a divine nurse, my friends, that wants to come and nurse us back to health, put us in relationship with God. Secondly, the Holy Spirit's like a divine resident because the Holy Spirit, God wants to be not only the president of your life, but a resident in your life. First Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter 3, verse 16, you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Jesus came and emptied himself for us. That's two great mysteries. First of all, that God would condescend to live with us in the person of Jesus Christ. And the second one is that God would condescend to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. To think that God would be willing to empty himself. So often we miss the point, don't we, in our spiritual lives. We seek the gifts and the blessings, but fail to recognize the giver. You know, oftentimes when we, Kelly and I would go away when our kids were young, you know, we would always, often buy a toy or something and bring it back and give it to the kids. And I remember this one time I went to this conference and there was nothing. I mean, there wasn't even a bar of soap or anything from the, the lodge or wherever we stayed. There was nothing I could find. And I was only gone for two or three days and I got back and I said, well, I don't have anything to bring you, but it's just dad. Aren't you glad that dad's back? Well, you know, uh, the lips begin to quiver and the eyes got a little moist and, and you could tell, yeah, we're glad you're back, but where's my gift? And so often that's the way it is with us and the Holy Spirit. God says, I'm coming to give myself to you. And like children, we say, well, I thought you were going to bring me a gift. 
But a third aspect of the role of the Holy Spirit is this, and that is as divine ambassador. Not only is the Holy Spirit like a nurse, comes into our lives to nurse us back to health so that we are morally where we need to be and comes into our life to bring gifts and to be a resident in our life, but also as an ambassador. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead or the Trinity, as we say. And an ambassador is an important person, are they not? They go to a foreign country, they present their credentials, and immediately they're recognized as coming on behalf of that country. And when they speak, they're not speaking for themselves, but they're speaking for the country from which they came. And they present their credentials, and the whole government is backing them. And as an ambassador of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit comes to represent God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in role of ambassador, he does a couple of things, as we read here in our text, John 16 and 8. One is to convince us of our need for God. No one can really see themselves as God sees themselves apart from the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lays bare the heart of people and exposes our need. And this is a disturbing experience for anybody that goes through that. I know when I really came and confronted and encountered God and somebody asked me if I knew God and if I died today, was I going to heaven? It stopped me in my tracks as, as a teenager. And I was like, well, I'm not planning to die anytime soon, but it was really a deep question that I started pondering. And I'm telling you, I lost appetite, I lost sleep as I was really thinking about this in a very serious way. And the Holy Spirit began to convince me of my need for God. The Holy Spirit is the discomforter before he becomes the comforter. And he comforts the afflicted, but he afflicts the comfortable. And not only that, he convinces us and convicts us of our righteousness. He shows us our own moral crimes. And our deeds are not where they need to be. And he teaches us that righteousness is not an achievement, but it's an obtainment. Now, one day I reached in and took a hold of the honeydew jar. I don't know if you have one of those. But boy, it was filled up one weekend. And I got down in that jar and there were so many jobs and things that need to be done. And I, I can make a mess quicker than anybody. Uh, you know, I can turn the paint can over or I can smear paint or I can set down the couch with a screwdriver and run it right through. I can do all that. And I thought, I better get prepared for this. And I went in, I got my old clothes on, already had holes and dirt on it, but I made another mess. I had stuff all over me, all over my hands, my face, and then all of a sudden there was a knock at the door. I went to the door and here's this guy in a three-piece suit. I don't know if he's going to the prom or where he was going, but he was all decked out and the perfect picture of cleanliness and neatness. And all of a sudden, I became very aware of my own dirtiness. And I started making excuses. Well, you know, I'm doing a lot of work around the house here today. But you know, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. We are on our own merry way and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and we realize, well, wait a minute. I have been taking God's name in vain. I have been cheating. I have been doing things I shouldn't be doing. And suddenly you become aware 
of where you're at in relation to God. That's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, trying to correct your course and get you right with God. We see ourselves today in a way, but the Holy Spirit shows us in another way. And then lastly, let me just quickly say, not only the who and the what, but the how of the Holy Spirit. Now think about this. Without the Holy Spirit, you have nothing. Do you realize that? Just about everything we count on important in our doctrine and practice is rooted in some aspect of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You can't do anything without the Holy Spirit if you just read the Bible. For example, in John chapter 3, you can't be saved. You can't know God without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, water and the Spirit, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. You can't have the assurance of the Spirit in your life. Paul writes in Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's the inner witness of God's Spirit in our life. You can't become holy and grow into the likeness of Christ. You can't do discipleship, friends, without the Holy Spirit. The book of Galatians, does it not, teach us in Galatians 5 and 22 about the ninefold fruit of the Spirit? But guess what? It isn't your fruit. If you read that, it says it's the fruit of the Spirit. And it isn't something you go out and do and try to work for. You can't sit in a chair and try to develop patience. You can't just kind of hang out and hope, well, the love's going to come and the fruit is going to roll. It grows in you and it's a natural byproduct of the presence of God's Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit produces these qualities in your life. You can't witness, the Bible says, without the Holy Spirit. You can't serve without the Holy Spirit. You can't even pray, the Bible says, without the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Really, you can't read the Bible without the Holy Spirit. We need the illumination of God's Spirit. You know, the next time you fly, and we just came back from vacation, and this time we were on Frontier for whatever reason, and uh, just the flights that were available, and... Uh, you know, nobody's listening to the flight attendants doing the emergency procedures. I don't know if you've noticed that. Everybody's checked out on their phones or chomping on their peanuts or handing out or whatever, but no one's paying attention. And this time I thought, well, I'm going to pull out this card. We're on an A320, an Airbus, and I pull out the card, and I start looking at this uh, safety instruction card in the pocket in front of me, and it says, on the instruction, it says, if you're seated in an exit row and can't understand this card or can't see well enough to follow these directions, please tell a crew member. And I'm thinking, well, there's a problem here. Because if you don't understand anything and you can't read, uh, what's these instructions doing for you? And, and believe it or not, the Bible, in, in some ways, if you will, is a lot like that instruction card because many people read the Bible and they don't understand it. I've been with people and they read the Bible and it says God is love and they're just scratching their head and they don't understand it. It makes no sense to them, not because they lack eyesight, but because they lack a divine encounter. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 1, For the message of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Friends, we need 
the power of God in our life. We need the Spirit of God to rest upon souls to help us in this day in which we find ourselves. Without the Holy Spirit, we're just about as useless as a unplugged coffee pot. How we need God today in our lives. I know today that we have much to be thankful for in this country. The freedom that we are provided to gather today is awesome, that we can hear gather and with one voice pray and sing and give God thanks for religious freedom and for the opportunities to gather here like we do today. So I invite you as we close our time together to stand with me at 696 and we'll just sing one verse here, America the Beautiful, as we give God thanks for his spirit of peace upon our lives.